Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Okay. Um, God has been speaking to me about your church for at least the last month, which is a little bit unusual uh, for me. He's been, I've been waking early in the morning, I've been going to bed late at night because we've got a pretty big project on uh, at the moment. Uh, so we are, uh, when we left here last year, I think we were here one year and one month ago. Uh, so it was the beginning of September that we were here last time. Um, and uh, so we left here and we went to Whangarei. Uh, we started a gelato shop. Um, and uh, so prior to that, we were on the mission field up in Arnhem Land. Prior to that, we were senior pastors of uh, Thrive Church out in Rangura. Um, but anyway, somehow we ended up running a gelato shop. I st- seriously, I don't know how it happened. It's just what's happened, and at the moment, we're just in the throes of opening a burger shop uh, as well, just on the opposite corner, Um, and so we are the ultimate Christians now. All the churches in Whangarei love us, uh, because I don't know what is, there's just something about Christ that comes out in your creativity, Uh, and they love coming and hanging out, and uh, so we're up there because God has said that's our promised land. He said to us that we are going there to influence the business community, that we are going to make Whangarei a great place or a greater place. Um, wait, I've got a hat. It says, make Whangarei great again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're getting in trouble for that, eh? <laughs> um, yeah, so that's why we're there. Um, and the reason that we're starting businesses is because our heart is still very much for the local church. Our heart is still very much for mission. Uh, And so we want to get to the place where we can support and help aid entrepreneurs, people who are willing to go and live in the back blocks of Africa, who are willing to go and live in South Sudan, who are willing to go and live in places like Arnhem Land or wherever the hotspot is. Having spent four years on the mission field, we know that it's a challenge out there. Uh, And we also know that there's plenty of people with great ideas, but in terms of actually the leadership and the strategy to be able to outwork those great ideas is often lacking. So we want to get to the place where we can go and help them with leadership and strategy and encourage them and release finances to them so that the kingdom of heaven can come into every corner of this earth. That is what we are about. And also having uh, served the local church and been in, in Rangura for 23 years, we are passionate about the church of New Zealand as well. So we've got kind of two strings to our bow. So the reason that we're starting these businesses is to be able to get the freedom to do that and also to be able to come into churches that are doing awesome things and just run alongside them and encourage them. So for me to come back a year later and to see where you guys are at is so encouraged. As soon as I walked in the door this morning, I felt encouraged because it is so good to see great things happening in the local church of New Zealand. You guys, I just want to say this, I want to share with you on this, that you're you're in about the right place that you should be. How long have you guys been senior pastors? 16 months, okay? So the first year to 18 months of a leadership transition, there's always a bit of tumultuous stuff. It just, without fail, 
without fail. We hand it over to our bestest friends. No, I don't like that term. Some good friends. Some really good friends. The emphasis being on friends. And invariably, you know, we were running together, but there is some stuff that you go through after a leadership transit. It's just the way it is. Um, and, uh, and so you guys are right on track because, like, I come in here today and I go, okay, you've gone through some stuff, still a little bit, you know, probably that will, you know, just kind of work itself out. That's, that's all cool. Um, but you're through the bulk of it now, and now you're setting the vision, you're setting the place, and off you go. You're ready to run. Well, that, are you guys feeling that? You're feeling like, yeah, no, we're, we're ready to run. We're ready for our next season. You know why I'm attuned to this? Because I've done that so many times in my life. Josh and I were talking about how we can get our identity so easily out of what we do. So I've just kind of, God's had me on this journey where I recreate myself every 10 or so years. So I start off as a, as a youth worker, an outdoor recreation worker, and then I recreate myself into a pastor, and then I kind of like do a bit of four-wheel drive tour guiding on the side just to, you know, recreate myself there, and then hang on, the church is going thumpingly, well, let's get out of here, leave it to someone else, and we'll go and, I'll go and be a commercial pilot and fly up in Arnhem Land, and then become the general manager up there, and then, well, that four years is over, what should we do now? Let's get into business. You know, it's just like, it's my way of not becoming attached to what I do. But there is, there is that aspect that comes with it. I don't know how I've got down this rabbit burrow, but that's where I'm at. Anyway, um, so yeah, so you're, you're, you're right on track. God woke me up several weeks ago. And when God speaks, you, you know the difference between when God speaks and when the Holy Spirit's speaking? Anybody told you what the difference? That God, I, I found God speaks in sound bites, okay? So he might like give you two or three words. But the Holy Spirit, he just sends you a great big email about how fearfully and wonderfully you made you are and all that stuff. This was God woke me up and he said, I want you to take a message to elevate, activate. <sighs> I want you to take this message to them. I'm just pausing so I can remember it. Because I want to get it right. I want to get the wording right. The increase is coming. The covenant has been established. Hold. Increase is coming. The covenant has been established. This is before I spoke to Josh, before I heard that you guys have just done a seven-day fast. High fives on that one. And I speak to, I speak to Josh, and he tells me that. I'm like, that's interesting. And then I... Ask God a little bit about it. You know, a covenant is the greatest covenant that you can have. There is, there is no agreement that is greater than a covenant. A covenant was formed in blood. There's plenty of examples of it in the Bible. You, you don't get much more powerful. You don't. It just isn't, okay? You guys, by what you have done and what you have gone after, by deciding we are going to go after the Holy Spirit... We are going to be a presence 
led church. God has said, okay, are you serious? Are you serious? You've walked through some stuff. You've fasted about it. And he's gone, okay, you guys are serious. Let's sign this in blood. So Jesus did for us. You know, our life is saved. Signed in blood. Now, when you sign a covenant, there is then an agreement for the resources to be released. If you've built a house, you will sign an agreement. It may even be you may even sign to a covenant for a house. And then at that point, the master builder says, okay, now I have what I need to be able to release the wood, the concrete, the door frames, the light fittings, the painter. I have an agreement now to release that. So for you guys now, you have the resources of heaven made available for you to build what God wants you to build. So this time has not been without benefit. You guys should be flipping excited. <laughs> Absolutely excited. You are on an exciting, exciting journey. Now, I just want to share very quickly First um, Samuel 23. We pick it up there with David. And uh, there's this fascinating passage. Uh, around about 1 Samuel 23, uh, where this is the whole throes of Saul and David, the wrestle going on about who is the king. Um, And, of course, we know that David has been anointed to be king, but Saul is still the king, and uh, and David's trying to do the right thing by Saul while still knowing that he is the one that's going to take it on into the future. And David... needs to go and have a battle against the Philistines. And so in First Samuel 23, it says, when David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are, looking the, are looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? I want you to catch that word, he inquired of the Lord. He went back to his men, had a chat to his men. His men went, we are packing, okay? We, we do not want to go and do this. So he goes back and he inquires of the Lord again. And then, of course, what does David do? He goes up and he kicks their butt, and it's a pretty good battle. Uh, a few more things go on, and then we read almost a, the same sentence again. Somehow he ends up living with the Philistines and he's going off to a battle with the Philistines. I I don't figure that. And then they kind of go, actually, this is a really dumb idea. Actually, you go home. So he gets sent back and uh, when he turns up there, he finds that all of the uh, women and children have been captured and taken away. It's not a good day. I'd be on my horse and I'd be off after them. Uh, But this is what David uh, did. So David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day, blah, 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 blah. All the men and women are gone. Oh, sorry, all the women and children have gone. And then David said to Abathur the priest, the son of some guy, bring me the epod. Abathur brought it to him and David inquired of the Lord. 
Saul finally, Saul finally dies, and now David needs to become king. And uh, so he's been anointed as a king over, uh, well, he's about to become anointed uh, the king over Judah. And then, of course, he becomes the king over Israel. So he's wondering, you know, shall I go up to Hebron? And so this is what David does. In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord. And God said, yeah, that's a good idea. Go up to Hebron. And, of course, that's where he became king. Flick a couple of passages on. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him, but David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim, so David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack them? And God's like, yep. And then there's a wee problem there, so we read on a little bit further. So David went to this place, and there he defeated them. As waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called that place. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. Once more, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim, so David inquired of the Lord. Do you know what David does straight after that? He tries to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. Does that go well? It doesn't go well. Obed-Edom benefits from it greatly. So David goes from inquiring of the Lord, inquiring of the Lord, inquiring of the Lord to actually, nah, I, I got this now. I got a confidence. I'm going to go for it. And he stuffs the whole thing up and some poor guy loses his life because he tries to bring the Ark of the Covenant back on something with wheels. Now, I don't know, but I think that's the best way to try to move something. That's why cars have wheels. Because it's a good way to move stuff. I'm thinking, that's a clever idea. Why did you smoke that poor guy for touching it? But see, Jesus wanted it. God wanted it done his way. What are, what are two other monumental stuff-ups that you think David made? I've said a bit. Your turn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty, that was a pretty big one. Yep, Bathsheba was not a good moment. Uh, and do you know what? Seriously, go home and read it. You will not see that David looked over and saw Bathsheba and inquired of the Lord, shall I go over there? Doesn't say that. There's one other pretty monumental failure. The Ark of the Covenant, Bathsheba, and then there's one other. Yeah, that's it. Counting his army. Taking the census. That I think 40,000 or 70,000 people lost their life because of him counting up. So we've got the Ark of the Covenant, which I believe David fell because he went with the wisdom of man. Good idea. Put it on wheels. Take this thing home. Bathsheba, of course, was the pleasure of man or woman. And the counting up was the strength of man. The reason he's counting his army, you want to know how strong he was. But of course, we look at it time and time in the Bible, and God's not interested in how big our army is. He's interested in how big he is and how reliant we are on him. So there's three pretty monumental stuff-ups that David makes there. 
relying on the wisdom of man, relying on the pleasure of man, and relying on the strength of man. So my encouragement for you as you guys go forward, because you're in for an exciting season, it's done, the covenant's formed, cool, is keep inquiring of the Lord. Keep it fresh. When you get times like this morning, just hang out there. What are you saying? What are you doing? Jesus kept going off to be with the Father, to go, what are you saying? What are you doing? And then he came and outworked it. That is going to be the hallmark of your next season. Keep inquiring. Keep fresh. And I want to also encourage you with this in your everyday life, that we are living in a time and a season where we have got to keep it tight with Jesus. And we need the Holy Spirit like never before. I found with starting a business, three and a half months later, I'm shutting the doors. On the 17th of March, God says, I want you to start another business. I'm like, sweet. On the 21st of March, I'm like going, I actually have to let all of my staff go. We were, we were bleeding. People were freaking out. They were not going out. They were not going to restaurants. They were not going to cafes. That was the time that hurt us. Because we were still running with all of our staff. We were still up in Whangarei. It's still nice and warm there. And we're just bleeding. And I'm just watching this. And I went, okay, I've got to hit. I've got to hit the point where I have to make the tough call. That's what a leader does. A leader has to make the tough call. I've learned that. It's not always popular. But if you're going to survive, you've got to make the tough call. I'm like, I'm at that point. And I went out and I went for a drive. And I just burst into tears. I'm hitting the steering wheel. I'm going, God, this is not fair. You led me into this. I got this amazing team that we're building. I'm about to go and tell four or five people that, sorry, in two weeks' time, I just can't keep you on. We're going to have to go back to this, work it as a family. This is not fair. And I inquired of the Lord. And he said, Chris, just wait until midday tomorrow. Don't do anything until midday tomorrow. I'm like, okay. It's another day. It's another day. And, uh, and of course, at midday, we're told we're all going into lockdown, and suddenly our business then became eligible for the wage subsidy, which we hadn't been, and we've been able to keep, we kept all of our team on. All of our team, every single one of them. We went down to, they went down to 30 hours, kept everyone on 30 hours, and now, now they're all back to where they want to be. See, this, when, we're, when we're living in this kind of uncertainty, we've got we've to keep it tight with JC. We've got to keep it, we've got to be inquiring of the Holy Spirit. And so this is the other thing that I want to say to you, a very simple message, um, is that I still find in Christendom that people think they've got to sort their stuff out before they come to God. I don't know, it's a ploy of the enemy, I don't know, I still find that, okay? So what stops us from inquiring of the Holy Spirit? What stops us of going and spending some time with Jesus to hear about some stuff? It's because like, we, we know we stuff up. We, we're, we're so aware of sin and stuffing up and our struggles. And can I just say this to you? Can we just end it with this? Who went and found who in the garden? Let's go right back to the beginning. Who went and found who? 
God went and sought out Adam and Eve who were hiding in their sin and he made a way for them to be in right relationship with him. We are going to struggle with stuff. And I'm not saying that we should settle with it, but what I'm saying is that don't let the struggle with stuff block us in our relationship with God. You know what he says? Even if you set your bed up in the pit of hell, he will be there. His hand is always like this. It is never with a stick like this. Please, can we just get that? Because <laughs> if we can get that, it will transform our lives. It's transformed my life. I stuff up. I still sin. I still have wrestles. And I'm pleased to say that many of those wrestles have got easier as time has gone on. But I don't, when, I, when I stuff up, I don't let that block me from my relationship with God. Because I know his hand's right there for me. He's right there. So as you go forward in this next season, keep inquiring of God. Keep believing he wants to do great things. Keep believing that he's got his hand extended for you. And you'll come through this. We will come through this. And we will be better believers because of the season that the world is going through. Serious. Did you get that? We will be better believers. I don't mean that in, in kind of a brownie points thing. I just mean it that because when we have to rely on God, it goes a lot better. Look at David. When he didn't, it went pear-shaped real quick. The increase is coming. Covenant has been formed. You guys are awesome.